They're all saving one, or most of them, most of the Hampshire fielders are saving one. Somerset need one run. It's Edwards to Hildreth. He's there and bowls Hildreth, and he gets the run away through the onside, and Somerset have won. They've won the Royal London One Day Cup. Hello there, you're listening to Always Look on the Bright Side of Life. This is the Somerset Cricket Podcast. My name's Ian Shepherd. Joining me this evening, I've got Dan Kingdom, President of Somerset County Cricket Club, Peter Wanless, and the voice of cricket on BBC Radio Somerset, Anthony Gibson. And well, fellas, um, I suppose the biggest news and the most important news we need to start with this week is the announcement that uh, one of the all-time greats, one of the finest players to ever wear the dragon, James Hildreth, has announced he is retiring at the end of the season with just a small matter of nearly 18,000 first-class runs to his name, 6,100 list day runs and 3,906 T20 runs. Cricket Archive gives it as exactly 18,000. Right, well, how are we six out? I don't know, but I I worked it out. I was was on commentary when he scored his 18,000th run and said... I remember that. Yes, he did get that, didn't he? He didn't really... It was sort of a muted acknowledgement. Um, I suppose that's what you get for paying your fiver a month for Cricket Archive rather than having to rely (laughs) on uh, Crick Info with its uh, increasing... uh, amount of bouncing adverts that seem to bounce you all around the screen. Anyway, we are getting off topic. Whether it's 17,994 runs or an even 18,000, what a career. I mean, you would have seen the most of him, Gibbo. I mean, what are your thoughts on uh, on this somewhat, not unexpected announcement, but a sad one nonetheless? Um, it's, it's sad. It's, it's inevitable, but it's still very, very sad. I mean, it... The magic had gone over the last three seasons, really. 2019, it started, and and uh, he just hasn't been the same player since, which is which is a great shame because he's given you know he's given me as much pleasure as any Somerset cricketer I've ever watched. You know the likes of Vivian Richards and Ian Botham and Marcus Triscothic and Jimmy Cook and all all of the rest of them uh, included. He was right up there in that that sort of company, and a lovely bloke as well. Um, I mean, one of my fondest memories of him was that game at Worcester back in 2015 when uh, Ross Whiteley was trying to save the game for Worcestershire and Somerset were pressing really hard for wickets and and Hildreth had damaged his finger so he wasn't fielding at at first slip, he was fielding at square leg and Ross Whiteley clipped a ball, I think it was from Craig Overton to Hildreth, low down at square leg he went down, appeared to catch it the umpires looked at each other Whiteley looked at the at Hildreth and started walking off, and then Hildreth said, "No, I didn't take it cleanly. You've got to, you, you should you should come back." I thought that was real class. That that was my golden moment of uh, of 2015 because um, he, he was he was a class cricketer and a class bloke, and uh, he'll be very very sorely missed. And and you know some of the innings that he played almost defied belief like the famous <laughs> century with a broken foot against Nottinghamshire. I mean, you know. But, yeah, lovely. But a very good, brilliant first slip fielder as well. And in his younger days, he was he was excellent anywhere in, in, in the field. And he was still very, very fit. Boy, well, is still very, very fit, apart from his hamstring trouble. Um, so, yeah, he's, he'll, he'll be a, a sad loss. And I, I do hope they name a stand after him. Peter Wanless, they name a stand after him. 
you've got the river stand which used to be the triscothic stand and it's just it's just aching to be called the hildreth stand oh, I, I i think there's a if you take the triscothic name off it put the river stand and then put hildreth stand it almost devalues it but let's go for the somerset stand all five blocks the james <laughs> hildreth stand is that is that what's on the the agendas at the board meetings or are they strictly confidential and it's a wait and see I'm sure there'll be um, significant and purposeful discussion about how to mark um, Hildy's contribution uh, to the club. I mean, it's a bit early to know quite what is the appropriate uh, choice uh, to make, but he's deeply deserving of something very significant, isn't he? Um, uh, I, I've written my first ever letter as the president of Somerset to Hildy on the occasion of his retirement. This is only because Dan hasn't worked out my email address yet to be able to send me letters about uh, uh, X, Y and Z. But um, uh, yeah, really, really important moment. And similar to Gibbo, you know, loads of memories of down the ages of watching Hildy unfurl drives through the covers. Uh, uh, my my dad died in 2016, but hadn't di didn't go to cricket for some considerable number of years um, previous to that. But I remember sitting in uh, in the Botham stand with him, watching Hildy score a hundred. Got no idea which game um, it was, but he's a sort of bridge across the generations, really, um, for me. So there's a personal moment of kind of sadness and, and appreciation as well as everything that he's delivered um for the for the club I, I was trying to work out when i would first have uh seen him play and again i, I have no real idea because matches sort of seem to merge into one, one into the other but i did find this old um scorebook and for some reason or other i scored a tote sport division two 45 over game between Surrey and Somerset at the Oval in 2005 and uh, Hildy 75 not out and uh, we won by five wickets with six overs to spare so uh, that's what 5, 15, that's 17 years ago and he was uh, so I've certainly uh, seen him over a good number of years and uh, he's brought yeah great great pleasure and success to the club. Yeah, Hildy, <clears throat> Hildy got two two red. <clears throat> sorry, <clears throat> frog in my throat. Apologies. That two red inkers for Hildy and white ball cricket at the Oval in two thousand and five. Of course, hitting the winning runs in the in the in the uh, the T twenty yeah. whatever it was called back then uh, in two thousand five. Of course, hitting the winning runs uh, when Somerset last picked up a trophy up at Lords in twenty nineteen in the in the Royal London One Day Cup, as you probably heard Anthony call in the intro to the <laughs> podcast. We de just desperately need to win another trophy, Gibbo, just so we can refresh. Uh, our introduction but yeah Dan I mean what can you say about Hildy just an incredible contribution over the years I mean what are your fondest memories of uh, of Hildy's career yeah I mean obviously I I didn't actually see any of it but that um century on one leg that he scored against Nottinghamshire you know that was obviously absolutely vital in putting us in a position to win that match in 2016 obviously ultimately in vain if we didn't win the championship um and personally as well um his century in the in the T20 against Glamorgan uh, around 2012, I think it was, um, when he rescued us from a dead situation. Scoreboard was at the time, I think, the highest score by number five in T20 cricket. Um, and yeah, 
they they almost merge into one because I've been a Somerset fan for so long. I'm, I've probably seen several Hilliard centuries in county championship cricket. One day cricket, there's one against Glamorgan he scored in 2018. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, he'll it, it, always be remembered as someone who unfortunately didn't play for England despite all his talent, which is a great shame. But I think Somerset fans obviously always remember him fondly. And he, he will go down as one of the all-time greats, I think. While he could be a bit frustrating at times, um, often, you know, occasionally maybe the architect of his own downfall, um, no, he he was yeah he was one of the best and I was quite emotional really when uh, when I saw the tweet saying uh, that he was retiring. I mean obviously it was completely expected, but yeah, it's a sad day because he's sort of the one remaining link with sort of pre me being a Somerset fan. He sort of is the one player who who's been who he's been there such a long time. Um, so yeah, it's just yeah it's a shame, um, but yeah I mean the right time to go I think. Um, one thing quickly as well, I found the source of these missing six runs. Oh, I knew you would. Dan. I knew you would. <laughs> so yeah, um, cricket. It wasn't because has... he scored the winning runs off a no ball, and somebody recorded it one way, and somebody, <laughs> somebody recorded it the other, like we had. To, I don't uh, think last so. Um, on cricket, so on cricket info, he's six runs short of eighteen thousand, and he was a one not out short as well. Um, from a search in cricket archive. There's an innings of six not out he had for England Lions against Guyana in 2011. Uh, ah. And but the quick info version of that scorecard has Andrew Gale scoring those six runs. So there's a discrepancy between the scorecards as to who batted. Looking at it, England seemed to be looking for quick runs. Keyswetter and Lifeo from the batting, Stokes batted three, Bairstow was promoted to four. I would have thought Hildreth would be seen as a quicker scorer than Andrew Gale. So... Yeah. I thought Cricket Archive would be right, therefore meaning he's hopefully he is on eighteen thousand runs. Absolutely um, right. Absolutely but, right. Yeah, it's a difficult one to. I don't know if we'll ever be able to know for certain um, what's right. I mean, Hildreth was the captain. You know, we might be able to ask him. It was a very peculiar match. Guyana were going out for seventy-eight, and then England reached eighty-seven for three, and that was it because there was a lot of rain around. So, or any part yeah. of the world, Guyana. If we, yeah, it was it was a um, England Lions played in sorry one, one moment. England Lions played in the West Indies um, regional four day competition. They just, they were literally just played as part of it. Uh, Hildreth was the that. captain. Yeah, this is back when Hildreth was very close to an England call up. You know, the closest he's ever, he ever got, I think. Because um, that following summer, wasn't it? it? Was there was a bit of a vacancy at number six, and they went for Owen Morgan, didn't they? Mm. Um, Hildreth and Papara, I think, were the other. Um, other other players in contention. Papara did play a bit that summer as well, so Hildreth must have been so close. And it's a shame there were there were there were years since where I thought you know there was 2015 or 16. I think James Vince was picked ahead of Hildreth, and I just thought that was a bit harsh. He was he was he was too self-effacing for his own good. It, the 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 sort of England setup decided he didn't have enough hunger. You know, he wasn't competitive enough. You know, um, he wasn't tough enough, and that was that was absolute rubbish. Because Hildreth Hild is as competitive as any other cricketer I've ever known, but he hides it very well behind that polite, modest uh, exterior. But underneath that, he is—he was hard as nails, and he desperately wanted to get into that England England side. And it's a real judgment on the shortcomings of the England selectors that the, they never gave him the chance. When you consider some of the other ones who did get the chance, I mean, we saw Sam Robson, for example, you know, not a bad player for Middlesex uh, yesterday. And uh, he got he's 
they, you know, half a dozen test matches. And Hildreth is a much better player than, than Sam Robson. And uh, it was, you know, it was just sad. But that, that's the way it was. That's the way he was. You know, he, he, he wasn't sort of, you know, he was the, he's the polar opposite of Kevin Peterson <laughs> in, in just about every way. <laughs> it's, it's James Hildreth. I suppose it, he was unfortunate when he was at the peak of his powers. The two guys set occupying those positions that he wanted at four and five were Ian Bell and Kevin Peterson. Well, Kevin Peterson and Ian Bell putting them at four and five. And England were a bloody good side around the sort of the turn of the 2010s, going up to 2013 when Hildy was really at the peak of his powers. And I think he maybe got a little bit too old to really nudge the selectors. Uh, um, Selectors' pencils being sort of 33, 34, still carrying on scoring the runs, but perceived to be past it. But uh, yeah. wrong, wrong end of the um, M4. That was his problem. Wrong end yeah. of the M4. Especially and then more recently. When it's, it was in charge. More mm. recently, there was this encouragement to move up to number three, wasn't there? And then the and yes. suggestion there was a vacancy there, and that didn't really work out. No. That was uh, that was the beginning of the end, really. And these are the words I wrote in my welcome for the uh, James Hildreth testimonial game that we organised in 2017. James has been one of Somerset's most consistent performers over his 14 years at Taunton. I don't think I'm alone in saying he can count himself very unlucky to not have received an England call-up. Did someone say unfashionable county? Mm. <laughs> so there we are. I think that... that I tell, you what, I tell you what I remember most about James Hildreth is that that shot he played through the covers when he was you it wasn't it wasn't a cut and it wasn't a drive he was it was as if he was using his bat as a magic wand to spirit the ball away with just a turn of the wrist through 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 the covers it was a it was a unique hildreth shot i've never seen anyone play a shot quite like it and it sort of encapsulate the encapsulated the fluency and the the, the sheer talent the ball playing talent of, of james hildreth which you know is quite quite uh, outstanding and it got him out a few times as well <laughs> but but then you know that was that was that was always part of the drama of watching james hildreth bat you know he was a, you knew he was a nervous starter but once he got to 20 or 30 he sat back and thought we're really going to enjoy this and everyone i've ever worked with on on commentary has loved to watch James Hildreth bat, regardless of partisanship or, or anything else. He's, he's one of those cricketers that that um, that cuts cuts across um, narrow sort of partisan feelings. You know, it, it was just a joy to watch. Yeah, and that's that's borne out by this the the stats there, Anthony, saying about you know once he gets in forty seven hundreds and eighty one fifties, that's a hell of a conversion rate. Hmm. Absolutely. That's if Crick Info's right. It might be 2500s and 14250. <laughs> I'm, I'm taking Crick Info's read that those are Hildy's. Uh, well, just I, I suggest numbers. you pay your five, £5 pounds a month to Cricket Archive and get a decent cricket stats site. <laughs> Point taken, Anthony. Point taken. I'm writing it down right now. Yeah. Um, there's a, We could sit and talk about James Hildreth all night. I mean, he's going to be a hole there at number four um, that we haven't seen for the best part of 20 years 
fabulous player, incredibly fluent to watch. I've so I've met him a couple of times down at the the benefit game we did. A lovely guy, really polite, really charming, as you say, completely self-effacing. But you don't score, you know, the best part of what nearly thirty thousand runs over a twenty-year career without having a bit of fire in your belly. And as you said, Gibbo, because he's not like a, a Bearster or a Stokes and beating his chest and pumping his fists doesn't mean that that fire's not there. But uh, yeah, it's a fire that uh, unfortunately will sadly no longer be at the county ground as of next year but yeah congratulations to Hildy on a, on a magnificent career and let's hope in some way shape or form it can be uh, it can be ended on a high I'm yeah. sure whether he's in the side or not he'll get a, a standing ovation like Trez did at the end of uh, at the end of that 2019 season well should we deal with another DPRT this week uh, someone who's Possibly not going to have a stand named after him. Uh, uh, we'll, we'll deal with the with the ins and outs before we start talking about cricket. Boy, Martin Delanger is off to Gloucestershire at the end of this year on on a three year deal. Um, I was surprised that Gloucestershire offered him a three year deal, a, a pace bowler on the wrong side of thirty. But I think that was probably what would have swayed it because I don't know whether we'd want to keep him on or not. I think he's a useful players are having your squad at your disposal he can on his day with both red or white body he can potentially be a match winner but I I suspect he may have got a little bit bored kicking his heels in the second team wants to play first team cricket and uh, the lure of a three-year deal from uh, Steve Snell up at Neville Road or the unique seat stadium whatever it's called these days proved too irresistible for him Peter were you involved in any negotiations? By yeah, the way? No, <laughs> no, of course not. Uh, nothing whatsoever to do um, with me. And and he's going as a, a he's not an overseas no, player right. he's not anymore, overseas, is he? So so, so that him, yeah, that would have been obviously applicable to us as well. Not being an yeah. overseas. Some, some someone said Gloucester's <laughs> best signing since Jerome Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> Might have been down. Not sure. <laughs> yeah. Well. I'm not sure you enjoy the pitch at Bristol very much, though. <laughs> Trying to flog some of some life out of that strip. That'll test even Martin Delanger. Yeah, I, I'm sorry to see him go in many ways because he's such a lovely bloke. Um, and he did, you know, it does have the X factor. When, when he really bent his back, he could be seriously quick. And and we all like to see a seriously fast, fast bowler in, you know, with his, with his tail up and breathing fire. And, uh, you know... And uh, such a lovely bloke as well. So I hope he does well at, at Gloucestershire, except against Somerset, of course. That you got a pigeon in your garden that agrees with you there, Gibbo. Uh, <laughs> yeah, not. Um, I mean, we we obviously signed him down as a as a replacement for for Jamie Overton a couple of years ago, but he's not really nailed down a place in the uh, uh, particularly in the in the Red Bull side. And yeah, not surprising to see him go, is it? Yeah, I mean, the writing was on the wall when we signed Peter Siddle for this season. Um, unfortunately, he didn't really meet expectations last year, did he? Um, but it's interesting, he wants to... He obviously wants to carry on playing Red Bull cricket, um, because I thought maybe he would just look to become a T20 specialist, but he's obviously still got ambitions on that side of the game, and maybe, I don't know, maybe it's... A, I think it's the security as well of having that three-year contract, because... Obviously, the franchise is there year to year, aren't they? You don't do much security with that. But I think he, he can obviously 
I'm thinking of being interrupted by a bird here. Um, obviously, he obviously lives in the area, and it, it obviously just gives him security for a few years to play in Bristol. He doesn't have to rely on, it, you know, insecure franchise contracts in winters to make a living. Um, yeah, I mean, I wish him well. It'll be interesting to see if he plays against Gloucestershire in our next championship match. Um, I mean, he, he might be helping to consign his own team for next year to relegation. Um, which well, is if he does, if he performs like Tom Cole Camel did for Yorkshire, I'm all for that. So, <laughs> I've got no problems with that at all. Yeah. So yeah, um, yeah. Farewell, Marchant Delanger. It was uh, it was short, and I suppose occasionally sweet. There were some probably the best memories you got Marchant with his, a bat. His biggest contribution. His biggest contribution was the fifty that he made at the Oval in the yeah. first game of last season when he and Jack Leach put on eighty nine for the last wicket, and when Somerset were staring defeat in the in the face. And uh, and that started the turnaround in that game, which ended up with Somerset winning the most one of the more unlikely victories I've seen. So, but his batting after that <laughs> really went downhill until it became. Uh, you know, on commentary, I would always say, "Well, you've got Martin Delaney coming in now. It'll be a case of block, 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 swipe." Yeah. <laughs> If the swipe came off, it went a mile. But all too often, it ended up with his stumps in disarray. I think my <laughs> my lasting memory of, of Marchant Delanger's time at Taunton will be him sticking Kyle Abbott into the churchyard second ball against yeah. Hampshire. And that was a, that was a beautiful, a beautifully timed lofted off drive, and it sailed. And what happened next? What happened next? Well, I think he smeared the next one over Cow Corner, so it may have been the ball after that that he was. Uh, he had all three stumps uprooted by his fellow, uh, his fellow South African. But uh, yeah, that uh, it was briefly on for one of the fastest fifties ever. I think in that innings, just just very briefly, I got a little bit excited when he was on like fifteen off three or something. You know, something like that. <laughs> Well, I had him. I had him in my uh, my fantasy league, not fantasy league, but the old competition that the club run at the start of the season for most championship sixes. So I think mm. I've lost that one. I've lost that one unless he uh, unless he rocks up in the last few games, which he may well do. Obviously, Peter yeah. Siddle will be uh, going back down under, and he may not feature again in the Royal London One Day Cup campaign. See, that was a segue that a proper radio presenter would be mm. uh, proud of, Anthony. So, mm. Royal London One Day Cup. Uh, three more losses in the in the uh, so-called development competition, but a few more highlights. And I think I'm not feeling as depressed as I was this time last week. Three defeats, two fairly close defeats, two great perform well, three great performances uh, from Ben Green, James Rue, and Matt Renshaw. And let's start with Ben Green, the second best list A innings ever played by a Somerset player. The first yeah, time it was being roll off Van der Merwe's to be sorry a few years back. Um, that game. Well, was... if if he hadn't got out to, to the second ball of the last over, if he'd gone on to win the game for Somerset, that would have eclipsed roll off Van This would yeah. no longer be the roll off Van der Merwe Pavilion. It would be the greenhouse. <laughs> it was this place supposed to be renamed. Yeah, but I was I was looking at the stats after forty overs. Uh, Somerset were 220 for eight, needing another 123. And, and Ben Green was 55 in 47 balls because, you know, he'd, he'd been picking up some, some big shots. So 
in the in the next 10 overs he added 102 from 37 balls i mean that is just it was just phenomenal hitting yeah. and um, i just my heart bled for him at, at the end when i came to came to interview him at the end he looked absolutely shattered you know having tried so hard and come so close and then just not quite getting hold of that hit hit down the ground and being brilliantly caught it has to be said down down at long on it was such a such a cruel cruel blow but yeah, it was it was a magnificent um, magnificent innings but it was you know it it shone out like a good deed in a naughty world the rest <laughs> the rest of the performance was frankly frankly not very good although alfie ogbort three three not out after out of what, what three rather three or out no, of, of partnership of, of i don't know whatever it was 97. 97 yeah yeah i mean he must well, have been, well, he, he must have been given permission to play that that lap shot by by his skipper at the other end there's no way he would have done that off his own back Exactly, yeah. But yeah, to to come so close as well, losing that high scoring game by nine runs, especially being captain as well, and it's one of those where you you're not going to sleep till get to sleep to about three o'clock in the morning, just thinking, what what could we have done differently? Should I just bunted that one into a gap and chased two? Should I told Alfie to play that shot? Should I done this? Should I done that? And really, yeah, to, just to come so close must have been just absolutely heartbreaking. I just yeah. remember watching us singing, and then just you know, it just your pit, your stomach just sinks after being, after having your hopes raised. Was that the twenty-four off the Borthwick over, and then twenty-four off the Gibson over, four consecutive sixes, the uh, over after the next over, after that hitting into into the short boundary towards the uh, the on Darchy stand. I mean, uh, were you there? You weren't at that one there, Pete. Were you there, Dan, for that one? I was, yeah. yeah, yeah. I said, I said, sort of when we lost maybe our eighth wicket, you know, this is over unless Ben Green plays the innings of his life, and he actually did play the absolute innings of his life. Unfortunately, we didn't get over the line. It was yeah, absolutely gutting. He was straight away bending down on his haunches. He was absolutely devastated, wasn't he, when he got out? But yeah, what a what a display of hitting! You know, Ten fours and twelve sixes. Um, it just felt like everything was going, you know, at one point you hit four sixes off the first four balls of an over, you know, he was on for six sixes. Only 10 men have ever done that before in professional cricket. And also we had three chances to hit two sixes because one of them was a free hit as well. Um, but yeah, yeah, it, it's just unbelievable innings to see us back from the dead. I mean, it would have been one of the best comebacks of all time in, in this day cricket, I think to, bring us from 195 to 8 to potentially chasing down 340 um, so yeah it was agony in the end uh, I thought he dropped it for a minute, for a minute that, that that final catch um, but yeah shame as, that was, that was the, as, as, as regular listeners to the podcast will know I'd seen Ben Green play that innings three or four times <laughs> in my championship winning season on the computer game international <laughs> captain so um it, it wasn't a surprise in, in in that respect but it was a complete surprise in in real life you know i'd been working all day and had, had checked the score and we were seven or eight wickets down and i'd written it off and couldn't quite believe it <laughs> when i saw the final scorecard so yeah what what an incredible inning yeah i mean the other big performance in that game was of course Sonny Baker uh, back from injury taking 6 for 46 from his uh, his allotted 10 overs uh, 
great to see him performing again, especially after the uh, the hiding he got against uh, Knotts going for, was it 38 in 1.5 overs, something like that. So I thought he bowled really well that day. I don't think I, don't think I remember him bowling a, a loose ball or a bad ball in that spell, Gibbo. He was just he was just on the money and he was he was he was he was full straight and fast and uh, you know and as you say he bowled he hardly bowled a bad ball and uh, I, I talked to him afterwards as well and he's a he's a, a mature intelligent young man is uh, Sonny Baker and uh, he's very honest about himself as well he you know he said he, he, he referenced what happened against Knotts. Um, and and said that you know he he really got it together in that innings against Durham and he did get it together and I thought he bowled pretty well uh, yesterday against Middlesex uh, well not as well but, you know there were there were a few bowled too short at, at times um, which is always a, a temptation but um, I I think he's he's the real deal I think Sonny Baker and I think Alfie Ogborn is mm-hmm. as well. Who made his debut in that in that game uh, against uh, against Durham, and bowled very well up at uh, Leicester on on Friday, and I thought bowled as well as anyone. I thought he was the standout bowler uh, against Middlesex well, yesterday. I, bu- I bumped into his dad in Stragglers, and I uh, got chatting to him while we were waiting for our coffees to be uh, prepared. He said that sort of at the end of last season, he'd kind of been written off by Somerset. They were saying that he wasn't quick enough, and. You know they weren't got to get him back on the academy books. They went over to Australia last winter, and he's, he's come back and he's filled out a bit. He's put on a put on a yard or two a pace, and um, he's taken a, you know a lot of wickets in the second team. And uh, yeah, Somerset have uh, have come back and you know offered him his chance in the Royal London One Day Cup. And uh, uh, Alfie's father Mark was uh, was as proud as punch about the performances that he's uh, his lad uh, Alfie had put on. Uh, so he should be games, yeah, and uh, just goes to show that uh, you know there is always a route. Uh, just look at Andy Umeed and uh, and players like that, and uh, oh, the fellow Richard Gleeson as well. So uh, you know, was thinking about uh, leaving the game as well. Um, so it's good to see. Good to see you don't have to be totally on the academy's books from you know when you're in nappies all the way up through to uh, to second team cricket that you know you can come back. What I like about Alfie Ogborn is is he bowls over the wicket, left arm over the wicket, so he's angling it across the, the uh, right-handed batsman, which I th- I think is the way way to go. There are so many left armers now who who bowl go around the wicket to bring it back in and then hope to move it away off the seam. Whereas, you know, talking to Mark Davis, who who's obviously used to bowl left arm fast for Somerset back in the nineteen eighties. That was his stock delivery. Was across across the batsman, across the batsman, and then every so often he'd get one to come back. And the fact that he could get that one to come back meant that the the batsman could not afford to leave a ball uh, that was coming down on on off stump, thinking oh it's going to fly away to towards the, the, the slips and I don't need to play at it because there was always that danger it'll cut back in and, and pin you lbw. And I, and Alfie Ogborn does that I think really 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 well. Uh, so that even though he doesn't have that extra edge of pace, and hopefully you know he'll, he'll get quicker as he gets bigger and 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 older, but I think he's got a good head on his shoulders and he's bowling intelligently to his strengths, and and I think that's that's shown in the uh, the three performances he's put in. Speaking of players who have got uh, who are wise beyond their years, 
should we nip ahead to no, let's let's keep it in order let's talk about the Middlesex game uh, yesterday's game against Middlesex uh, after we deal with uh, what was a pretty disappointing performance up at um, the Uptown Steel County Ground uh, Somerset uh, coming out the wrong end of that by uh, 45 runs but a great opening spell from Casey Aldridge peaked which I gather you were, were there for yeah yeah um, yes uh, he did he did bowl well and I agree Ogborn bowled well but to be honest, the whole day was underwhelming in in every respect. Really, I'd no, I'd never been to Grace Road before, up to down Steel, whatever. Um, so that was a uh, that was nice um, to uh, add a ground to the to the list of places that I'd visited. But beyond that, we were never really in the game. We uh, uh, we let them. Well, I suppose for. For a, for a brief spell at the start of the match, we were, but then we let them get away. Kimber got his head down and then kind of uh, got going. And, and we just batted with such extreme caution that we we, yeah, we never felt in it. So very much sort of second best and, and quite um, disappointing, really. So um, I think we should move swiftly on. Yeah, four for, six, <laughs> four for 67 in the 19th over. They finished up with 269. Century for Lewis Kimber, <clears throat> seventy for Harry Swindles. To be fair, we did get the. We I thought it was a good toss to win, and uh, Ned Eckersley was who was commentating with me from um, ex Durham and and ex Leicester. He thought it was a good toss to win as well because we thought you know it, if it was going to do anything, it would do something in the first hour, and it did. And it was a blazingly hot day, and it was the pitch was quite green. They'd obviously watered it, and Casey Aldridge bowled really really well on it and, and picked up those those early wickets but then it then it flattened out um for the rest of the leicestershire innings and then when we came to bat it had sort of gone over and it had got slow and there was variable bounce and i agree with peter the, the batting was timid frankly you know they, they didn't they didn't try and challenge the, the bowlers at all and that allowed the bowlers to to get on top but the wicket really didn't help but it was it was a very very disappointing batting performance they'd they'd overreacted you know against nottinghamshire yeah. went too hard too, yeah. too too early and lost wickets so they decided right we're gonna you know we're gonna have, we're gonna build a platform and then go on from there and the, but they didn't build much of a platform because they lost a couple of early wickets and then when they tried to go on they got themselves out and it was well you know i i, I interviewed andy hurry mm. afterwards <laughs> And um, which I didn't much in, enjoy, I have to say. I, I'd much rather Somerset, you know, do well, and then we can have a sort of triumphal interview afterwards with some player who scored a hundred or got, got five wickets, or a, a coach who's beaming with pleasure at, at seeing his, you know, taking, bringing home the bacon again. But it was it was a very disappointing performance. And I, and in the light of that, I thought the game against the performance against Middlesex, you know, um, was was. You know, a huge relief, and I agree. You know, that's why we're all feeling a bit better. I yeah. think because against a very good, a very good side, we fought back well, uh, and uh, uh, the youngest side, youngest Somerset side ever to take the field in senior cricket, and we made them fight to the very last. Well, almost certainly the very last over, not quite the very last ball. But yeah, um, you've ruined my intro to the Middlesex game. I had it all planned out. I was going to say it was family fun day. Kids welcome at the Cooper Associates County Ground and the youngest ever Somerset side that we think had a lot of fun, in particularly 
18-year-old James Root, who I thought batted absolutely brilliant yesterday. In, yeah. in searing he, heat, it was just, yeah. He plays to his strengths, doesn't he? He plays, I'm I, surprised we didn't get more reverse sweeps from, from him because he plays that shot very well. But but that apart, I thought, I think he he's a bit like James Hildreth in that respect and Tom Abel as well. They, they know their game and they play to it. You know, they don't try to become batsmen that they're not. They don't become sloggers or anything like that. He, he didn't play a single slog. James Rue in that in that century, and uh, I'm very impressed with him. He's got a very good head on his shoulders, and uh, I think you know he's ov- he's obviously on the England radar, and he'll, he'll go a long way. And he probably may, may not even play very much for Somerset in the years ahead because he'll be rep- uh, in representative cricket. But yeah, it was a very very impressive performance. Yeah, what do you think about the batting order? I mean, it was uh, it was a surprise to see him coming in as an opener, and 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 then he and then he did really well. And and I've always wondered how many more runs Tom Lamerby might be scoring for us if he wasn't opening, but was coming in at five or six. And slightly nervous that James Drew batted so well that he'll have um, played himself into uh, opening the batting for us as well as keeping wicket and um, doing everything else. Becoming the sort of second Tom Abel, as a we don't want to put too much on his shoulders too quickly. I guess that's my only fear. But I agree, what a fantastic innings! What a start to his career. Yeah, I mean, it felt like um, it's taken us four or five games to work out what our our best batting order is. Well, you say that, but why didn't Ben Green come in a bit yeah. earlier? Uh, you know, I tweeted about that several times. Like it was that was what lost us the game, in my opinion. Ben Green should have come in when Bartlett came in. Bartlett, I mean, he can, you know, against Leicester last year, he's got an amazing century and he smacked up 80-odd against Sri Lanka Development 11 earlier this year. But Ben Green, a few days ago, for the innings of his life, hitting 10 fours and 12 sixes, with a strike rate of nearly 186, and yet with 10 overs to go, he did not come in, which I just thought was an inexplicable decision, really. And that meant we left at least 20 runs out there. Um yeah, Bartlett, Bartlett was out the last ball of the 48th over, so... No, sorry, I mean, Rue, Bartlett... Rue was out 45th. Yeah, so he had five overs at the end. That's where he's, just got, he's just got 157 off 80-odd balls. You think, yeah, yeah um, we want to give you it... Maybe not coming in at three and trying to bat for 40 overs, but you certainly want to be giving giving yourself at least 15. Yeah. So, Bartlett is out of form. I mean, he's a fine player, but up at, up at Leicester... Peter would have seen him. He really, he really struggled. You could see the frustration. He, he was waving his bat. He was beating it against his pads, and it was the same against Middlesex yesterday. He knew he was, you know, he was trying his hardest, but he just wasn't timing it. And it was, it was a tactical, serious tactical error not to, uh, not to promote for well for Ben not to promote himself in the order. Yeah, Bartlett did get to twenty-five off twenty-four balls, but you know, coming in yeah. towards the back end of a of a one-day innings, that's not. Yeah, that, yeah, that's that's not a uh, high enough strike rate. Um, yeah, Rue, Rue's uh, hun- uh, was 114 off 120 balls, nine fours, no sixes. Um, but I just thought he, he just kept his shape really well, as you said, Gary. Played yep. within himself, played the shots that he can play, and he just accumulated really nicely through the whole of the the 45 overs he was out there, and he played that sort of old school list day innings that an opener plays, where you you bat. You bat. You see, I'm going to bat for 50 overs. Everybody else is going to bat around me. And uh, Matt Renshaw did that pretty well as well. Uh, he made 120, uh, nine fours and, and three sixes in that one. A lovely one into the River Tone. Another one to the, the car park of the flats. Um, 
as you said, Dan, he's been batting four, three or uh, four. Was it four for Queensland? And uh, he looked, three, yeah, yeah, he looked much, much more at home down the order. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, the fifty against Leicester as well was also down at four, wasn't it? Um, we seem to be getting closer to our best batting lineup. Um, I don't know about. I still don't know about goals over at three though. I mean, he had sixty against Gloucestershire at Bristol, but. Apart from that, he's not looked comfortable there. And he's just sort of, like, yesterday in Leicester, he started slowly and then got out, didn't go on. He just he looked a lot more comfortable and natural at five last year. You know, he, was, he, he was more, more just, yeah, just this year he seems to be have some shackles on for some reason. You know, last year he was much more free, would take the strike a lot better, I think, and found it easier to find the boundary. Um, in I don't know if it's just a form thing. It might be nothing to do with his batting order position, but um, we should have kept him at five or four, I think, because that's where we had so much success last year. He was probably our best batter in this tournament last year. So. He's been striking at about 50%, per 50 per 100 balls, which is... It's is no, it really? It's, yeah, well, of the last three, uh, yeah, 27 of 49 against, uh, against Durham. Uh, nine of twenty-four against Leicestershire, and then on Sunday he was nine of seventeen. So, yeah, yeah, and that's that's nowhere near quick enough in the in the sort of the modern one-day game. Even if you are looking to play that long innings and 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 kind of anchor it as well. So, yeah, I mean that that just comes from not not being able to turn the strike round. Yeah, exactly. We're not very good at rotating the strike. We really, we really aren't. Uh, James Rude did it pretty well yesterday, I thought. But, but uh, George Bartlett was hitting shot after shot. You know, some of them quite well timed, but hitting them straight to fielders. And, and that was especially frustrating at Leicester. I mean, it's easy to watch from the sidelines, isn't it? But that is a massive playing surface, and uh, you just felt like there were so many gaps in the field. And yet, as you say, they, these shots were just going straight to the fielders again and again. It was annoying. Yeah, as annoying to them, I'm sure, as it was to me. Yeah, I didn't see much. I didn't actually see much of the game at all yesterday. The most I saw was when, when I got home and finished watching the end of the live stream because I got there about eleven o'clock. Managed to invent a space in the Virador car park somehow. I'm not quite sure how I'd managed to just uh, just park it next to something and hope nobody uh, gave us a ticket. But uh, yeah, so literally spent the first hour of the game wandering around with the kids around all the uh, all the various attractions. There, I saw an armadillo. A quick little. Things. Did you milk? Did you milk the cow? No, Theo milked the cow. He, he got. I think he got six hundred and fifty milliliters, and oh, I've got, well, and, I've got and I've got an inbox full of offers from Jurassic Fiber. So uh, <laughs> um, he had a go on all the other. He had a go on all the other stuff. Did the circus skills. Uh, so yeah, really, uh, really good uh, um, work by uh, the club getting that uh, put on for all the kids. But yeah, just a bit difficult when Dad wants to find a seat to watch the cricket for a bit. It was a great atmosphere, though, wasn't it? It was a great day's cricket yesterday. I thought, yeah. you know, and it was the real answer to those people who say that the Royal London Cup is a second-class competition. Nobody wants to go and go and watch it. And but it, not every county does it as well as Somerset. I mean, there were barely a thousand people there at Grace Road, Leicester, on Saturday, and admittedly, it was a Friday. It, admittedly, you know, it was a very, very hot, hot day. But even so, there was no atmosphere at all. Uh, and there were almost as many Somerset supporters there as there were Leicester ones. And um, but yesterday, the Middlesex game, I thought was was just a fantastic cricket occasion, and very well staged by 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 the club. And the cricket lived up to the to the weather and the atmosphere and everything else. And and it was great. Yeah, they did. They had a 
there was a couple of poor stewards who job, whose job it was to just keep going to this outside tap and keep filling up these jugs of water for people to keep topping up their water bottles. They didn't have a, a proper water fountain. Maybe that's going to be uh, put in uh, sometime soon. But uh, yeah, this poor bloke, he was... And then, then he worked out that if he moved his little gazebo next to the tap, he didn't keep have to keep having to uh, run back and forwards next to his barrel. And he was in the shade a bit more. So, uh, well done to that, uh, that steward. But, yeah. Did you uh, did you go on the milk uh, the milk a cow Dan? No, I was too enthralled oh. by the cricket, unfortunately. Oh well, you probably found a seat in the shade in Treslower, and uh, I did. Yeah, I don't think anybody was in the mood for giving up their their shady seats uh, in, in that morning. It was absolutely roasting, and uh, I was sweating from places I didn't know I could sweat from. <laughs> I think that's too much information. Well, definitely was. Um, right, so um, yeah. So rock bottom of Group A of the Royal Under One Day Cup. I don't think we could. We can't mathematically qualify now unless about three or four counties do a Durham and you know manage to get themselves dot points. And there's all sorts of mass brawls and that sort of thing and match fixing going on in the other games. But that really is clutching at straws. Uh, final three games then: Surrey away on on Wednesday. Then it's the beer festival at the at the Cooper Associates County Ground on Friday. Before we finish off on an outground trip at Portland Road away to Warwickshire next Tuesday, what do we it's think? Not Portland Road. It's oh, Edgbaston. is it not? It's Edgbaston. Oh, it's Edgbaston, is it? You just, I, you, I just thought, oh my God, no. <laughs> well, I, 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 went from my, I went from my Crick Info, uh, not Crick Info, Cricket or Wall Chart. So, uh, yeah, there, <laughs> there was some confusion about Warwickshire's home 50 over matches um, when the fixtures were released. Um, I think quite a few places said. Portland Road, which is the Edgebaston Foundation ground, which is also in Birmingham. It's not very far from the actual Edgebaston. But yeah, they're, they're all at Edgebaston, all of Warwick's home 50 over games. Oh, that'll yeah. be in uh, that we covered in we, we ought to be Surrey at the Oval. I've just I've been I've just been looking through the Surrey team and there were there were four or five who I'd never even heard of. Mm. You know, in the, in that side. Hit by the hundred and also injuries yeah. and personal yeah. problems and all sorts. I mean, I think their average age is probably probably lower even than ours ben geddes the skipper's only 21 so it's um you know we, it really is an opportunity to uh, to put one over surrey at, at, at the oval i think sussex is going to be quite tough they look pretty good at the moment and warwickshire well warwickshire at edgbaston are always difficult opponents yeah, so not portland right I do. I really hope they win at least one, so that poor <laughs> yes. old Ben Green, who has tried so hard, you know, doesn't doesn't have a complete whitewash to explain away. Well, I think. I mean, we'll obviously give a post mortem to the Royal London One Day Cup campaign once it's concluded next week, but. The the last two defeats. I mean, well, certainly the Middlesex defeat. I mean, you could we're talking about fine margins. You talk about the the first ball that Sonny Baker bowled in that last over. That you know, waist high full toss gets put away for one. That's three, and then the free hit goes for six. Um, I think what did that take the target from nineteen down to ten, something like that. So, yeah, fine margins there, really, isn't yeah. it? And you know, I think overall as a group, we're seeing enough positive things coming from this campaign to. Uh, well, I've got to say, well, I don't really want to say outweigh the negatives because we've lost six out of six, but the pickings are there and they're not necessarily slim. They're sort of medium fat pickings, 
If you like. They're only five out of five. It's not six out of six. No, six out of six, isn't it? Yeah, it's five. Oh, five, five. isn't it? Oh, do you know what? I was thinking, oh, I was, I was counting the Devon game. Because oh, I just remember we talked about three games in the podcast last week. Well, we won the Devon game. All right, okay. <laughs> there we go. There we won the Devon game. And we beat Cornwall as well. <laughs> although, although overall, including you know going back to last season, we have now lost eight list day games in a row, um, which first time has happened since 1970-71. And the record is nine in a row, which was that same run of games. So, yeah, two more losses and we will break our own record. Oh, Yay. great stuff. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I doubt yeah. there'll be a plaque for that at the members' dinner, which uh, comes publicised today. That's on the uh, 30th of September, the Friday after the season concludes. Um, with, ticket... with a nice discount for members. Yeah, tickets are much more reasonably priced, £50 each this year, down from, what, the 90 they were last year. See, Dan, I'm not just you that can write emails. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so get get your tickets for that. I've got mine. I'm taking uh, taking my wife, but uh, she doesn't know yet. But um, she's going, so I'm sure I'll uh, I'm sure I'll see you there, Pete. Can we just pop all the drinks on your tab? Is that okay? <laughs> mm. <laughs> <laughs> I will be there. Absolutely, he's got to be on the phone. Just sit me as far away from that idiot Shepherd as you can. But uh, anyway, of course, we would, of course, we won't be abusing your presidential uh, tab, Peter. There ought to be some president's award for something or other. I need to go and do a bit of research and find out if I have any opportunities to influence any of this. Yeah. Uh, well, there's uh, there's a members' player of the year, isn't there? Um, they're not quite as in depth as the golden apples. We really get uh, yeah. we really go granular for the golden apples. We get you know best best post lunch spell in August and all that sort of thing. We get we get really detailed for that, but. Uh, Looking, uh, looking for. There's only about three. They do. I think they do. Player of the year, young player of the year, and there's one other. I think maybe white player of the year, white white player, white ball player of the year. I'll have to check. Done no research. Right. So what else we got? There's a members forum. That's going to be on the 24th of August. That's going to be held virtually um, between seven and eight, which is a lot more friendly than when Lancashire are going to be holding theirs. I don't know if you've seen that. Though. So it was yeah. uh, under, morning, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, the Tuesday at nine, nine a.m. the Monday, the day after the bank holiday weekend, which is you know it, that's in response to the uh, the Lanx Action Group, um, you know, wanting to get get uh, get themselves in front of the board at the club and just say, look, we're opposing any reduction to first class cricket. Uh, any plans that the ECB might have, we'd like you to vote against them. And Lancashire have gone, okay, then. We'll, we'll have a big meeting, and that meeting at uh, 9am at Old Trafford on Tuesday the 30th of uh, of August. They're almost trying to out-Yorkshire Yorkshire, aren't they, doing that? <laughs> just absolutely toned up. I, there's no other explanation than they just don't want people to come, really. Also, yeah. bearing in mind that they could have a Royal London uh, semi-final that day, too. Yes. Happy days. Um just one last thing on the Royal London One Day Cup then. Do we think Steve Davis may have possibly played his last game for Somerset? Well, well the awkward thing is obviously... Yeah, that's the awkward thing. He's got another year he left. He has got another year so. on his contract, but if James James Rue uh, next year is probably going to be too early for him to start getting poached by England and you think he'd be given the gloves in, in the Championship? Yeah, he might get snapped... Blast. 
he might get snapped up for the 100, though, which would mean that Steve Davis, or he might get injured, you know. Mm. Or Steve Davis might rediscover some form. You know, well, we hope so, yes. Yeah, uh, don't really want to go writing guys off, but, I mean, as we've sort of seen with Hildreth, once it, it starts to go, it's very difficult to get it back. But, um, yeah, but that was a very lazy shot he played there first ball up at Leicester just that little waft outside the off stump and bowled off the inside edge it was a real so Christ you must be in bad nick if you are if you are playing like that uh, what else we got to chat for should we dive over to our listeners questions then and see what uh, see what we got we've got uh, nine minutes to get through these then we'll try and be quick keep it under an hour for you all here we go then. First question is from... Oh, yes. Um, ben Green was off for most of the uh, Middlesex innings yesterday. Anybody know what happened to him? Quite well, a few people Anthony's have asked that there. one. Anthony's gone off to shoe a pigeon. <laughs> yeah, he suddenly disappeared and I noticed that, hang on, Matt Renshaw's directing the field here. So, um, yeah, clearly he was the designated vice-captain. Gibbo's gone off to get another pint of cider. Gibbo, do you know what happened to Ben Green yesterday? No, I don't. I don't, and I, I, I couldn't. I couldn't very well ask um, James Rue, um, but uh, I did. He, he came out um, before James actually at the at the end to sign autographs, and he was limping. So, hmm. wouldn't surprise me if he's not not fit to uh, to play against Surrey on um, on Wednesday. So I honestly, honestly don't know. But it didn't look good. Fair enough. Uh, one from oh my god, what's this guy called? The Honourable Colonel Queen's Armchair Warrior Regime. Fair enough. Uh, in the continual absence of Leach, do we need a decent spinner to bowl in the middle innings of the Royal Under One Day Cup and September's County Championship matches? Preferably not a slow left armour. I think he added, didn't he? Uh, yes, he did. Yeah, given we've got a, a phalanx of slow left armours. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, we, we got Amar Verdi on loan uh, for the Lancashire game. It's entirely possible that we could get him back on loan for some of the... Honestly, it wasn't very impressive. Were you there, Peter? I was, yeah. Yeah, I agree. There wasn't a lot to see there. He was, he was comprehensively outbowled by the young um, Lancastrian um, slow left armour. He didn't look, you know, he didn't look like taking wickets at all. Not the bowler he was two or three well back in 2019, 2018. Not the bowler he was then. And there are hardly any decent off spinners around the country. No, Sorry, haven't been playing Verdi or Moriarty, have they? Maybe we could try Moriarty. He's slow left arm there. It's another one. Yeah. Josh Thomas. I was disappointed Josh Thomas didn't bowl. Wasn't given a bit more of a bowl yesterday. He with his bowl, slow left did he bowl at all yesterday? Yeah, he bowled couple two. of overs. Two, yeah. yeah. Oh, I must have missed that one. I was, oh, yeah, two overs done for 12. Yeah, I like Josh Thomas. He's got a good action. He gets really gets over his front foot yes. and he really gives it a really gives exactly. it a good rhythm and uh, looks to put a lot of action on the ball. Um, more about Ben Green. Uh, Bryn Thompson uh, is going to buy us all a cider if we're there on Friday night. Looking forward to it, Bryn. We'll see you there for the beer festival against Sussex. Um, one from Andy Cleave should players not featuring for their respective Chris Packet franchises uh, for example Tom Lamanby be released to play for their counties in the one day cup um, they should it's, it's yeah I mean it can only benefit them 
I mean, I know 100, you know, 50 over cricket is not really perfect preparation for the 100, but it's better than they're not playing at all. Um, I'm not sure. Last year, obviously, there was COVID, so, you know, COVID bubbles and stuff, so they couldn't. But this year, I thought maybe there'd be a bit of flexibility around that. No, there hasn't been, unfortunately. I mean, there was a bit. I mean, Rory Burns was made available to Surrey for the whole tournament, as was Dom Sibley for Warwickshire. Um, although Burns hasn't actually been picked for Surrey, I'm not sure why. So, clearly, there's a bit of flexibility in terms of the whole tournament. But if you like the odd match, it seems to not be a consideration at the moment, um, which... Yeah, a bit odd. I mean, Stanley, Stanley might go a whole month without playing any cricket, which isn't going to benefit him or anyone. So well, it's yeah. something that needs to be looked at, I think. I mean, what you have to remember, Dan, is the 100 is the most important competition in the whole world. And it mm. is vital that they keep all their players fit. And if, God forbid, you know, Tom Lamanby was injured playing for Somerset. I mean, I don't even know who Somerset are. But if, you know, Tom Lamanby managed to do a hamstring playing for some club called Somerset that he's never played for when he's, you know, he's Manchester Originals through and through, I think that would be absolutely disgraceful. To be honest, and you know, there, if... was, there, there was a there was a really good article by Mike Atherton about um, Will Smead. Um, I keep seeing these, in, in I the keep seeing these of... tweeted out, and it's so frustrating that the Times is behind a paywall, and uh, so yeah. someone wants to lend me their Times login so I can read yeah, these yeah. occasional ones. But uh... well, well, we should we, we we should do that because it's. I mean, I'm I'm not saying the tide's turning, but it was. I mean, he he he's someone with obvious you know, huge intelligence and interest, insight, insight and influence in, in the game. And I thought he set out extremely cogently um, the relationship between the pathways and the counties and these teams which kind of float over the top and just laid, laid to rest really kind of clearly and, and, and calmly this sort of nonsense that uh, Will Smead is a kind of, you know, product of the... Uh, of the hundred who's been discovered there and, and some of my uh, Surrey friends you know equally uh, irritated by uh, the discovery of Will Jacks who scored yeah. 100 in that competition last night and has spent three years knocking the ball out of the park for for Surrey in uh, in, in, in the blast so it, it's interesting the different frustrations you get at different counties at Leicester you know not not a, a county not really affected in the same way as us they've only got four players who, are, who have been taken off in the in the draft to the competition that that will not be named but last night was the first time in the whole competition um at Rayan Ahmed appeared and uh, so of their four players that's the first time they've seen any of them for the entire competition so at least we have seen um uh, one or two of our players um play some kind of starring roles and keep their eye in as it were um but yeah for them pretty much everyone had been on the bench the, the whole time it was a very good did you, did you see the piece about will smead that was in the times as, uh, no not in the times i can't remember where, where it was now perhaps it was in the times when um he was sort of responding to this sort of instant stardom type type of thing, and yeah. and said, um, he was he was very uh, modest about it. He said, "Well, I'm still really just a slogger," and and the teams we play against know that, and they can set the. Anthony's frozen. Just got to that, elaborate. That's, just... that... That that that's being uh, censored because we don't we don't want the opposition to know how to bowl <laughs> Will Smith. But what Ian they do Ward, anyway. Out, Ian Ward's unplug your internet, Gibbo. Go and have a look around there. I bet he's there with a he, pair of bolt he, cutters. He made it very clear he wants to be he wants to be a success in all three formats. 
He does not want to be pigeonholed as, as a white ball mercenary play, plying his trade around the world, which is what a lot of people have, have been saying about him on the back of the century he, he scored. And I, it was a, a very good, very good piece. And, and he's aware of his limitations and he wants to do something about them. And he is a very, very talented uh, all-round sportsman uh, and has got the got the mental and the physical capability to turn himself into a really good all-round cricketer and that's very much what I hope he'll do Cricket Takes asks would Somerset fans would more Somerset fans be on board with 100 if the side were Western Fire with a home game each in Taunton and Gloucester I vote no to that one Cricket Takes whoever you are um well, I think the answer is yes. It might be no for you, but I think the majority, you know, you can't... The 100 does have its appeal to quite a lot of people, and if there was a Western fire, which they should have called, is what they should have called it anyway, then, yeah, I think a lot of people from Somerset and Gloucestershire would, be, would go to matches and be interested in it, especially if it had a, a, a local, you know, a good few local players playing in, in, the, in the side. Yeah, but it's about them. my argument about the hundred is it's they well, I know what they do without they could have done it with revamping the blast and not devaluing the I know, uh, anyway. We could be here till we 11 o'clock talking about we are, it. We are where we are, and the hundred is not going to go away, oh, however much we might wish it away. One here, do you think the hundred is going to go away? No, joking. Uh, <laughs> from Scott Wilson, should the people behind the dreadful signing of Marchant de Langer be held accountable? Does the extended no, contract given to Jack Brooks show sentimentality that is holding the club back? Should we be looking at a coach upgrade to ensure the young talent doesn't go to waste? Well, I don't think Marchant Delanger was a dreadful sign. I don't think anybody thought he was a dreadful signing when when we picked him up. He just hasn't he just hasn't really performed to the the level that um, we'd have liked him to. Uh, is a contract extension for Jack Brooks show sentimentality? I don't necessarily think so. I think Brooks is just fancy as a backup player, isn't it? He? And he's done all right this season, to be fair. He's bowled quite well in the championship, I thought. So I think it's he's handy to have around. He's not going to play every game, but you know, we, we, it'd be risky if we were relying on Aldridge and Baker and Sale as our as our main backup seam bowlers. You know. Yeah. Yep. Can't argue with that. Should we be looking at a coach upgrade? Well. <laughs> I don't know. Is that? It sounds, I, know, I think God. it's an international cricket captain. When you get like a hundred coins, you can buy your coach. Like <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Is it, can, you know, you do that in in cricket captain, don't you? You can upgrade your coach to make him like a better batting coach or something like that. Or you could in recent years. Anyway. Yeah, you can. Yeah. Oh, we should get on Twitch. International cricket captaining. I'm sure we our, our viewing figures would be in the in the. I'll probably get at least two or three, I'd have thought. Um, one from Simon Hancock. Great to see Ollie Sale fit again. Where does he fit in in our list of bowlers if we rank them all in order and how many do we need to keep on? Well, he's, he's looked like a guy who's just come back from injury. Um, whether that injury was from uh, overexertion with the camcorder, not quite sure. But, uh, yeah, he looked fairly rusty in the couple of games that he's played. But he has he had a terrible time up at Leicester. Poor bloke. Oh yeah, he, the ball was just following him around, loads. wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, but yeah, I don't know. I, I haven't seen enough of Ollie Sale. I mean, I just I, I don't think he's been very well handled. I mean, they were trying they were trying to develop him as their death bowler, if you remember, back in the back in the plague year, 
of, of 2020 and it was a complete disaster and he's an attacking bowler and I'd rather see him I think in red ball cricket than, than white ball cricket you know running in running in hard and, and looking to take wickets I don't think he's a, con- a containing bowler he, you know he he's not um, he's, he's got a slower ball but that's just about the only variation he's got and he bowls he bowls too short in in white ball cricket and and he goes for loads and loads of runs but you know i mean if you're trying to get him into the red ball side he's he's at the back of a fairly long queue at the moment isn't he especially when he is, but he, you know he's a bit older than, he's a bit older than some of the you know than the than the youngsters and i don't know i don't i don't use the answer to uh, to our t20 death bowling problems no, he is. Uh, he's out of contract at the end of the year as well. So uh, yeah, decisions will need to be made uh, uh, regarding Ollie. So, and we'll finish on a lovely question from Alex Vaughan. What is your go-to cider? In recent weeks, I have been swayed from Thatcher's Gold to Thatcher's Haze. I could see Anthony mouthing the words Philistine, oh, making a horrible sour <laughs> pursing his lips. Um, Thatcher's Haze is probably my favourite mass market one. Uh, I do like a bit of Devon Red as well. That's very good. That's good cider, that is. Yeah. That's not, you know, it's not so commercial as... Thatches is good cider, but haze and gold are very much mass market ciders and very yeah. successful ones. Couldn't agree more. So, yeah, so probably Devon Red is my uh, is my favourite. Alex, Dan, what's your go-to cider? Oh, God. Well, I don't really drink much cider, unfortunately. Um, oh, no. Come on, Dan. Yeah. I mean, occasionally, like, just a cider shandy, like, Thatcher's or Strongbow, but nothing particularly inventive, unfortunately. Sorry. We'll have to get you educated on Friday night at the beer festival. If you're down, you're down. Uh, I'll be there on Friday. Oh, yeah, yeah. Good stuff, Dan. We'll get you educated. I'm Gibbo smiling away there. Can we? Are you allowed to drink when you're on commentary, Gibbo? Not while I'm on commentary, but but we, we, I've got Mark Davis coming, so we'll have we'll have three of us on. On Friday, so I will have breaks from time to time. Oh, so I will great be able stuff. To... We'll make sure you're fully hydrated for those breaks. There are some very good ciders on the list as well. I haven't had a chance to look at the list yet. I'll, I'll have to do that as soon as we finish recording. And finally, the presidential recommendation, the seal of <laughs> approval for the official presidential <laughs> cider of the club is Peter. Yeah, that, uh, well, Thatcher's a sponsor, aren't they? So um, uh, I tried the um, Blood Orange variant for the first time this week, which I must admit was surprisingly pleasant. I'm still, I I'm still and, yet to try it. I'm going to have to get me... And, 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 and late Lady Wanless said it had a touch of the Aperol Spritz uh, taste to it, which is very kind of on message for this summer. So that might be a good mass market choice. When we came down last year for the Beer and Cider Festival, um, Wanless Junior was very excited about uh, all of that. And you had to buy them sort of four pints at a time, didn't you? You got sort of, you queued up and then you got these tokens. And yeah. then you, so he went and got himself four ciders. And then he, the first one he tasted was probably the sort of thing that Anthony would have said was a really kind of premium, excellent taste cider. And because it wasn't at all fizzy, he thought it was horrible. Um, so he said <laughs> yeah. he didn't want any more of any of that um, flat cider stuff and so i i found myself with uh, a whole load of tokens for cider which i couldn't drink because i was driving back that night and um yeah so sorry i can't really make a recommendation beyond thatcher's blood orange come on then give apart from battlefields <laughs> well that's that's what i've just been drinking is that is, is that my... on the, is that on the list for friday night 
No, it's not. No, I haven't. Sadly, I haven't got enough to uh, to to market it commercially. I don't know. There are lots of good good ciders there. I mean, you talked you talked about uh, Barney Butterfield and his uh, uh, Devon Red. He's got several ciders there. Good Devon ciders. Harry's cider just up the road. They're big supporters of the of of the county club. Uh, Sheppies. Of course, and and Annie Bennett, Andy Bennett, who uh, broadcasts on BBC Radio Somerset, his family farm near Burnham. They make cider, and Bennett's cider will 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 be there. So it depends what your what what your um, taste is. But there's a very good range of of ciders. I, I must say, I was very impressed when I saw the list. So should be should be a very enjoyable <laughs> afternoon. And is evening. there going to be an exclusive battlefield bar in the commentary cabin, Giver, or <laughs> stay no. after hours? I might, I might bring just just a couple of bottles down just for people to sample. Oh, I look forward to it. Look commentary forward gazebo, to it. commentary oh, gazebo. gazebo. Yeah, I had to go out into the outfield as well to re- rescue my notes. <laughs> this <laughs> I was saw that. I saw that. Because yeah, <laughs> <was quite. laughs> the notes were threatening to blow blow out onto the wicket, so I had to put the afterburners on and go out and rescue them. You had, written, the... you had written something uh, offensive about any of the players that were out there and you're afraid they were going to pick them up and uh, <laughs> come and give you a knuckle sandwich. Definitely of not. Give of course you wouldn't. Right. We, we do have very interesting, when we get a fielder just in front of the commentary gazebo, we have a chat with them. It's just very, you know, very, very, we have uh, Alf, Alfie Ogborn and several of the Durham players and, and, um, and uh, George, George, um, Bartlett was chatting away to Mark Davis, who coached him at Millfield, and yeah, it's all. You want to get a proper mic? You want to get a sort of a mic on like a telescopic uh, boom arm <laughs> and just kind of waft it about near the boundary edge, just to get to uh, to pick up what they're saying. And on that slightly silly note, shall we call it a night? We are one of these days. We're gonna, we're going to tar- arrive at the target of our allotted forty-five minutes and not wander over to an hour and ten, as we always seem to. Um, <clears throat> next Thursday does that work for everybody next Thursday yeah blimey yes yes yeah because we've got the uh, the members I... forum on the Wednesday night the Tuesday night is the Warwickshire game so yeah we will uh, we will cast our eye over the complete Royal under one day cup game uh, next Thursday or the one day cup campaign next Thursday but uh, gents unless we've got any other business it's starting to get dark now nights are drawing in should we knock it on the head? Yep. Yep. Right. Good stuff, yep. fellas. Thank you. Thanks for listening, everyone. See you all next Cheers. week. Cheers, guys. Bye. Bye.